What's poppin'? This is Lee. This is Cecilia. And this is episode six of Tales, Tales from, from Two, Two Troublemakers. So, welcome back. It is week six. Four? Five? Yeah, week six, basically. No, no, I don't know at this point. It's episode six, so it's week six, basically, of us doing the podcast. So, it's a really loud bang. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, it's been a long week, that's for sure. Tell me about it. <laughs> I worked ten hour shift the other day, and I was only supposed to work a seven hour shift. Hopefully, you come work with me soon, though. Working on it. That'll be the plan, at yes. least. Yes, yes, yes. You'll be working forty hour weeks with only eight hour week days, so. <laughs> I can deal with eight hours. It would be nice to be able to work. And you actually get breaks. <gasps> get two tens and a thirty, obviously. I don't get breaks. What are those? You get breaks if you come with me. <laughs> what are those? Because you'd get one at five, seven, and nine. I can deal with that. I actually need breaks. No breaks kills me. Subway is draining me. And I'm actually getting eight hours of sleep. Eight to ten hours of sleep. I'm lucky to get six. <laughs> uh, so we're doing abandoned places this week. We know we're like a day late, but it's because I work uh, like in the middle of the day now, so. Yeah. But if you come to me, come to my job, it won't be a problem anymore. No. Because we'd have the same schedule. Yeah. It'd make everything so much freaking easier, too. I'd actually be getting 40 hours and I'd be able to pay my bills. Yeah. And you'd get, it's more money on top of what you're already making, so. <laughs> Imagine those paychecks. Yeah. What do you make right now? Like, what do you get paid? Seven hundred dollars every week, every two weeks. Every two weeks. Seven hundred every two weeks. So you'd be making roughly like That's... a thousand, roughly, every two weeks. Holy crap! Yes, please. <laughs> make seven hundred every think, two weeks, and I'm barely getting by. I think we get paid every week. I think we get paid weekly. The heck. Most factory jobs nowadays pay you weekly. Weekly? Yeah. I need money weekly. <laughs> you be getting it. Okay. Well, um, we gotta get a jump start on that. Mm-hmm. Also. <sighs> That'd be all. Alright, let's talk <laughs> creepy, guys. So, my first place uh, is really fucking sad. I'm excited about it because I did a lot of research about it, but uh, it's the Western State Mental Hospital. Uh, that Western, does sound really sad. It is. One in particular part in here, which I think I did last, it's really fucking, you're going to hate the person at the end. Okay. Let's uh, get the, into it. The Western State Mental Inst- Health Institute 
is a historic insane asylum located in the small town of Bolivar, roughly 60 miles east of Memphis. The asylum was the last of Tennessee's three major mental hospitals built in the Victorian era, construction constructed in 1886 to 1889, and the only one to remain in operation. The admin The administration building is an example of the Gothic revival institutional architecture remaining in Tennessee. It was the last hospital construction and inhabit <laughs> habitually the one least favored. Harry Peaks Donald and Kenneth McDonald practiced together in Louisville, Kentucky. Harry graduated with a degree in civil engineering from Washington and Lee University in 1869 before relocating to Louisville in 1870. Western State was their first commission in Tennessee. They opened a branch office in 1887 and won commissions across the state, including First Cumberland Presbyterian, it's its name of a church, the Presbyterian, uh, no, honestly, I have no idea, I've not heard of that one, I don't know, it starts with a P, <laughs> church in 1888, Tipton County Courthouse in 1895 in Sevierville, the firm had previously designed Southwestern Lunatic Asylum in 1885 to 1889 in Marion, Virginia. The, the McDonald's based the design of Western State on the Kirkland Plan, a standard method of asylum construction and mental health treatment advocated by Philadelphia psychologist Thomas Story. Kirkbride. Yeah, Kirkbride. Oh. Unique architectural elements include long wings arranged in a staggered tiered plan so that each connected building had sufficient sunlight and fresh air as well as privacy for the patients as well as a view. May male and female patients were housed in separate wings separated by central administration corps with offices each wing was subdivided into um where else? i don't know separated by polygonal stair towers the facility was placed on a self-sufficient rural hilltop farm west of downtown construction construct God. <laughs> Construction of the 2,500,000 four-story facility included rooms of 300 to 350 patients, officially opening in November of 22nd of 1889. The asylum accepted 156 patients from the overcrowded Nashville institution. That's a lot. By the 1900s, the institution was overcrowded with 594 patients. There were three classes of these patients, state pay, county pay, and private pay patients. During the 1920s and 1930s, the patient's therapy t 
tended to be highly electic. Dr. Erwin Edwin, sorry, Dr. Edwin W. Cock or Cook, I don't know. It's C O C K E, so I'm gonna say Cock. Or Dr. Edwin began working at the hospital in 1914 as an assistant, eventually becoming a supervisor in 1918. I don't like Edwin. I don't. Okay. His name just sounds bleh. You're not going to like him in a minute. He was the author of the 1919 Tennessee state law that dealt with the legal aspects of psychiatric treatment and a co-producer of the first dietary yeah to produce artificial fever treatment for syphilis of the brain new treatments for fever therapy included fever therapy prefrontal lobotomies metrazole injections insulin shock therapy while still relying on occupational therapy during cox tenor, the hospital received acceptance from AMA and American College of Surgeons as a result of this cock was responsible for several new buildings including one for tuberculosis patients, the Polk buildings, the doctor's apartments, the cottage, and the purchase of 235 acres. Also during his tenor, a telephone system was installed, a modern operating room, x-ray equipment, was purchased and the kitchen was modernized. In addition, a dietitian and dentist were hired. Dr. Cox served as commissioner of the Department of Institutions and supervisor from 1933 to 1936, resigning to enter private practice. <sighs> this is where it gets a little sad. Okay, I might cry. The darkest story from the Institute would have to be George, Georgia Tan, as Tan would falsify background records and place children for adoption for as little as $7 in Tennessee. Out-of-state adoptions, which most of them cost upwards of $5,000, Tan allegedly made millions from the sale of babies and was chauffeured around in a a Packard or Cadillac and dressed in expensive clothes. One of Tan's many sources was women at Western State, as it was rumored the baby that babies were taken from in the wards. Young patients were either raped or forced to have intercourse with each other for or for money with security guards or even local residents. For nearly 30 years, children were sold throughout the U.S. to Britain and other countries as underage farmhands. Tan had established channels for transporting children to England. Reports of the children being enslaved, beaten, or raped by pedophiles. Tan finally came to her death to cancer in 1950. He should have died earlier. The Gothic Revival Admin Building was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1987. Bitch should have died earlier. That's just a little bit of it. I didn't do all of it, 
But that was just some of the dark history of that place. He forced? She. Georgia Tan was a female. I said they. You said he. Okay. She. Honestly, I don't even know. Yeah. It sounds like a he. She's a bitch. Exactly. Obviously. We're just going to call it a he because, um. That's that. male behavior. <laughs> I've never heard it. <laughs> but that's just a little bit about that place. I could have done a lot more, but my head was hurting. <laughs> um. That's very sad. Took advantage of people in an insane asylum. Yeah. To get fucking money. Yeah. Parade around. Your nice fancy clothes and your nice fancy car. Fuck you, you stupid bitch. Yeah. And it's in Tennessee. And it still is. It's still up. It's not running. But it, the building is still up. Does it look trashy? Is it does does it at least look as trashy as it was? Uh, yeah. Okay. You can look pictures up of it on Google and stuff, and it looks trashy. All right. I can I can deal with that one. Did they trash that bitch's grave? Probably not. I couldn't find where she was buried, so trash that bitch's grave. Okay. I don't think that's how that works. That is how that works. That's how it works up here. Okay. Trash the bitch's grave. Actually, dig her up and throw her somewhere where she's not supposed to be. <laughs> that's a crime. Don't actually do that. Oh, here it is. Uh, Tan died of e- uterine cancer uh, on September 15, 1950, aged 59, three days before. Governor Gordon Browning of Tennessee filed charges against Tan's home. Tan was buried in her family's plot in Hickory Cemetery. Trash the grave. Don't tell him I sent you, though. But also, that sounds like some bad karma if I ever heard any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uterine cancer. That's what you get for forcing insane asylum patients to have babies. Fuck you and your bitches, too. What? There's several hickory cemeteries. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And just just remember to look for that name and uh the 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 death dates. Don't don't trash the wrong one. We can't be trashing innocent people. Yeah. Here. Okay, sorry. I had to yawn. It's in Memphis, obviously. Okay. Are we going to switch to? Yeah. Okay. So, I have an abandoned town in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. It is now known as the Sunshine. Well, it's not the Sunshine. It's just Sunshine. But it may have originally been called... Kinzel Springs. It was established by S.J. Kinzel in the late 1800s 
Kinzel built a retreat retreat home for his family and later expanded it into a resort area with cabins and a pavilion, a general store, and a hotel. It became a popular getaway for well-to-do Knoxvillians who could access the town by the railroad built by the Little River Lumber Company. The resort town included tennis courts, golf, and horseback riding. Pardon. One second. Um, You said the Little River Lumber Company, right? Okay, interesting. Continue. Sorry. Okay. Kinzel later donated the land to a woman's organization known as the International Sunshine Society. Good for him. Hence the town's name, Sunshine. It became an incorporated incorporated town and a post office was built in 1925. Sunshine bustled with activity until the hotel burned down in 1952. That combined with the cessation of service by the railroad caused the town to dwindle and die. That's a little sad. There is little that remains of Sunshine. A renovated swing swinging bridge crosses the Little River, leading to the site of the formal, former hotel. The former community is part of the Shadows of the Past Townsend Historical Trail. The trail is a 10-mile walking, biking trail through Townsend. Oh, so it's in Townsend. We could go there, too. That would be really nice. So, I have a feeling our two, one of our two, like, our two places correlate a little bit. Oh, okay. So, the other place that I did, my second to last one, is called Elkmont. Uh, you can go there and camp there and stuff and like sleep in the cabins, I'm pretty sure. But the reason I asked you about the little river company, lumber company, is because this is the place that started that. Oh! Uh, the town of Elkmont is situated along the little river in the Great Smoky Mountains, as was once a booming lumber town. A frontier community, the property is now owned in protected by the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Established in 1908, Elkmont was a base for the Little River Lumber Company, logging operations around 1910. The lumber company sold off the stripped land for individuals, mainly hunting and fishing enthusiasts, to create a private social club. The exclusive club was Appalachian Club. In 1912, the Wonderland Park Hotel, a 50-room resort lodge, was built nearby. Membership was so exclusive, 10 Knoxville businessmen purchased the Wonderland Hotel and created their private club known as the Wonderland Club, with at least 10 cottages built nearby. But you can go there and you can like stay there and camp there. I just want to visit. That would that would be pretty nice. I do apologize for the stuttering that I'm doing while I'm reading this, but um, it, anxiety. It's been a long week too, so yeah. Um. Yeah. 
wheat. It's literally called wheat. Okay, the community of wheat was located in East Tennessee, about 25 miles west of Knoxville. It was originally called Bald Hill, but the name was changed in 1880 to honor the town's first postmaker, Frank Wheat. Wheat was a farming community that featured thriving peach orchards, and at its height, the town included several stores, multiple churches, a gas station, and Roan College. Oh, you said, wait, Roan College? Yeah. That's right down the road from me. When I was living in Little Rock City, I was right down the road. It's 25 miles west of Knoxville. So that would make sense, I guess. <laughs> Hold on. Where was I? Oh, few could have predicted the town's demise would have been precipitated by events happening over 6,000 miles away. World War II changed the lives of virtually all Americans. It also spelled the end of this small Tennessee town. Did I say smelled or spelled? I don't know. I think you said smelled. <laughs> Probably did. I'm sorry. It spelled the end of the small Tennessee town. The Manhattan Project. Beginning in 1939, the United States government led a top-secret project supported by Canada and the United Kingdom. The... Does this even go with this part? Yeah? Okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> The project's first headquarters were in Manhattan, so it came to be known as the Manhattan Project. The project would produce the world's first nuclear weapons, including the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. Okay. In 1942, the U.S. government began constructing automatic weapons in three secret communities across the nation. Those communities were included Hanford, Washington, Los Alamos, New Mexico, and Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Woo! <laughs> you still live right down the road from there. The Tennessee location would become the project's headquarters after it was moved out of Manhattan. The government selected 59,000 acres in East Tennessee to build the Oak Ridge facilities, which led to the forceful displacement of Wheat's residents. The government proposed paying the residents $35 to $45 per acre for their land. Many had just two weeks to leave their properties. The federal government did not cover any relocation expenses, adding to this distress. Authorities had already forced some wheat residents to move from their prior properties during the creation of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Some wheat residents accepted the relocation, seeing it as their patriotic duty during the war. One, one woman said, if it gets the boys home, they can take the home. It, I will not complain. Others, however, re objected strongly to the eviction orders. The forced relocation happened so quickly that some residents were not even allowed to harvest their crops. What the fuck? E e this is why I don't like the government. <laughs> Anybody likes the government anymore. Wheat Church. Today, Oak Ridge bears the nickname Atomic City. The city owes its extent existence to the de 
The city owes its existence to the development of the U.S. nuclear arsenal during World War II. The small town of Wheat had to be dismantled to pave the way for Oak Ridge's construction. There is only one surviving structure from the town, the George Jonas Memorial Baptist Church, also known as the Wheat Church. The church was constructed in Wheat in 1901. It is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It is owned and maintained by the U.S. Department of Energy. The church is located near State Route 58. Visitors can see the church after a brief walk from a gravel parking lot. I want to go there. <laughs> it just says you can see it. It's in Oak Ridge. It just threw people out of their homes. This is why I don't like the government. So this is a direct quote from someone who used to go to this church. Our neighbors was real good. We loved everyone. I mean, if one of us was in trouble, they had help. Everybody went in to help them. In her memories, wheat was a thriving place, renowned for its peach orchards. Uh, so, did it tell you how much land they took in total? No. 59,000 acres from the locals. They took 59,000 <laughs> acres. Stupid yeah. government. You're gonna be listening to this podcast and they're just gonna be like, get her. Don't come after me. It's your own fault. They're all the ones that did it. So let me see. Where? Oh, well, that one's a definite yes. Okay. So, when you actually pull up, like, Wheat Church, it pulls up the the George M- Jones Memorial Baptist Church. That's the name of it now. Okay. Ah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So, for those of you who want to know how to get there, if you're at, if you go to the K-25 History Center, it is literally right down the road from there. If you know Oak Ridge, then you know where I'm talking about. I don't know Oak Ridge. I'm lucky that I know this place. Let me see. Let me find... Oh, okay. So this is. Oh. Gotcha. <coughs> yeah, it's not that bad. Excuse me, I'm dying. It's got like trails and stuff around it too. So Ew. There's a quarry right down the road. I'm opening my chocolate. It's gonna be noisy. 
Yep, there's a whole ass Cory right down the road <gasps> from this church. Did you just drop your chocolate on my floor? I just dropped half of my oh chocolate. Oh my god. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe I did it either. Why is it broken? I'm offended. Damn it. Yeah, we should go here. Because there's a quarry right down the road. Mm. It's really pretty. It's literally called Walk to Quarry. <laughs> yeah, we should go. We'll go. We have a lot <laughs> that we want to go to. A lot, a lot. Yeah, I want to go here, but I don't think we can get there anymore. But Now I'm going to open... Oh, this bitch is broken too. Oh my god, don't drop it on the floor. I'm not gonna drop it before I'm doing that again. I'm very upset. I'm freaking chocolate. Okay, so the last place that I'm gonna do is called Calderwood. But this one is actually really close compared to everywhere else other than Indian Boundary. Can you guess where this might be? Mm mm. Calderwood. Cruising down the winding switchbacks, switchbacks of the Dragon or US 129, once located on the Little Tennessee River in Blount County, established in 1912 as a base for the Aluminum Company of America's Little Tennessee Valley hydroelectric development operations, the community continued. To house construction personnel and the dam maintenance personnel for nearby Calderwood Dam until the 1960s. So it's in Blake County. What the heck? Or it used to be in Blake County because it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Although the community's houses were raised after the abandonment, three buildings located in the community Calderwood Dam Service Building, the Calderwood School, and a Quonset Theater were included in a supplementary supplementary listing for Calderwood Dam on the National Register of Historic Places in 2004. The community of Calderwood was initially known as Alcoa, but was renamed in Isaac Glyden's Calderwood's honor after the company reapplied the name Alcoa to its main company town in northern Blount County. So this is basically the old Alcoa. <laughs> okay. But I think the only few buildings that actually are still standing is a church and the theater. Because this used to be... We used to have a lot of these kind of little towns mm -hmm. for like construction purposes and stuff. Yeah. But you can still go there, I think. Because uh, it's like between um, like two markers for this road on the highway. And you gotta like risk your life going down that road to get it there. So we need a risk your life vehicle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I so excited about risk your life? Because <laughs> that's how we are. Because if we actually want to go to these places, some of these places... It, 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 they actually are risk your life. Yeah. Like, hopefully, by when it gets a little bit warmer, we're getting there. 
I'm still waiting on that stupid cold front that's supposed to hit us again. I know, but Monday and stuff, it'll be 70. And another good thing, if you come to work with me, you can wear shorts. <gasps> I can only wear black shorts. You can wear whatever shorts you want, as long as your ass ain't hanging out. You can wear whatever shorts you want. And you don't even have to wear jeans. <sighs> you can wear sweatpants. I, I could literally wear this? Yes. What the actual heck? Yeah. FYI, I am wearing um, joggers and a crop top. Mm-hmm. You can literally wear that to work. Some some of these people that I know show up in their pajamas. <laughs> that would be me. Like some of the third shift people be showing up in their PJs. And I'm like, I aspire to be you. <laughs> I aspire. No. There's no dress code? No. Just get there on time? Yeah. And leave and on wear, time? And wear your clothes uh toed closed heeled shoes but you could literally wear hey dudes to this place oh my gosh okay um we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna get back to this your last place my don't you dare do this to me okay my last place big green briar the small computer community is now part of great smoky mountain national park it seems this is a this is a <laughs> reoccurring thing that's happening to all of our abandoned places. The Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So we could go there. Oh, now I'm pissed. What? See, I didn't remember that part. What? The Cherokee people lived in the area prior to the arrival of Europeans. Of course. They lived everywhere around here. I know. <laughs> There's no getting around them. No, because this was their home. Yeah. Actually, everywhere that I did research on, they didn't live. But mine were just like in the middle of a fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first white settlers in the area were William and Middletown Haley. Welly. Okay, I'm sorry. And their families. These two brothers arrived around 1800. John Aubin. Own B. It's it's owned by I'm I'm sorry. And his family settled in the area in 1818. Benjamin I'm not even gonna try to say that name right now. Where did you go? Parton, a veteran of the Civil War, moved into the area in the 1850s. If you do not stop. He was the great-great-grandfather of country music superstar Dolly Parton. Originally hailed from nearby Sevierville. Rather than one centralized community, the area of Big Greenbrier grew into several smaller communities along the streams of the Middle Fork of the Little Pigeon River. At its height, these communities featured two churches, two blacksmith shops, two stores, three cemeteries, and four grist mills? The Leconte? The the Leconte? L-E-C-O-N. Okay. Hotel was a, and a school were also constructed. By the early 20th century, there was a population of around 500. The creation of the of a national forest, which would later become part of Great Smoky Mountain National Park, 
displaced the residents of these communities. Eminent domain caused the Welly family to re relocate three times. The first displacement happened when the NPS, what is, I don't even know what that is, bought their farm in Big Greenbrier. The TVA forced the second move for the Norris Dam construction. The third displacement happened when there. It did not. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta find it again. Where's it? No, I don't need help. Oh, this makes me mad. I'm sorry. My phone just timed out. I didn't write it down, but I did do the research. I did the research this time, guys. Where was I? The third displacement happened when their property was bought for the Manhattan Project, leading to the creation of Oak Ridge. Most of the structures in Big Greenbrier no longer exist, although a few, like the John messer i don't know what that word is barn still stands visitors can view this barn along the porter's creek trail in great smoky mountains national park that's all they have so nps stands for national park service okay that's it clicked in my head that it was national park but for some reason the s would not click yes yeah, national park service We all know what the TBA is. Okay, that's my last one. That was all I had. So <laughs> I only did three places because we got a lot of abandoned places here. Yeah. We could do a part two on this. We really could. The town that drowned. This sounds familiar. Willow Grove. It's like another one that's on this list. It's called Loyston. The former Tennessee town is also buried under a reservoir, which is why it came to be known as the town that drowned. Hmm. Willow Grove, situated on the banks of Iron Creek in north central Tennessee, hosted a grist mill along the creek. The town was also home to churches, a school, a general store, and a post office. In 1942, the government mandated residents to leave their land. Every single one of these <laughs> is the government. Yeah. They held their final community picnic on July 18, 19, 1942, a gathering for residents to bid each other and their beloved hometown farewell. In 1943, the construction of the Dell Hollow Dam was complete, resulting in the Dell Hollow Reservoir. The reservoir takes its name from the Dale family of the landowners where workers constructed the dam. That's actually very freaking sad. Why is the government making people leave every single one of these places? I don't know. Oh, well, you've got 500 people. You're too small. Get the fuck out. Yeah. You got less than 1,000 people. Get the fuck out. People piss me off. Government pisses me off. Government's douche. Every one of them is douchebags. 
So I actually have another place. <laughs> uh, it is called Eugenia Williams House. Nestled in the heart of Bearden, the Eugenia Williams House is a testament to Regency style elegance as Regency style elegance, sorry, as a restoration project unfolds, the interior is undergoing a remarkable transformation from the metallicious refinishing of aged woodwork to the careful restoration within the walls of Eugenia Williams House. A quiet history unfolds is it's the story of a woman's life told in fragments of a different era. As we continue to explore the many items recovered from the house and grounds, contractors have been hard at work restoring many of the unique exterior and interior features of Eugenia Williams' house and its grounds. The house's expansive back veranda, which faces south towards the Tennessee River, was initially paved in bluestone, after purchasing the home, the Aslan Foundation removed the plywood boards that had covered the windows of the Eugenia Williams house for several decades and protected them with sheets of custom clear polycarb polycarbonate with air vents for environmental control. The 24-hour acres overlooking the 24 acres overlooking the beautiful Tennessee River and the Great Smoky Mountains will be open to the public through a series of trails on the property with cultural programming in the buildings. While visiting the, the grounds, the guests will <sighs> Sorry. Tidgers do what mine did. I said nope. The guests will walk through distinct landscapes, including the upland glade, the lowland meadow, riverfront, grassland, pasture, ravine garden, wild garden, and the great lawn when visiting the 1941 John Franz Staub designed home and the 1939 Barbara, Bar, Barbara McCurry designed stable. Guests will engage in cultural programming produced by Knoxville cultural institutions, including tours, lectures, small exhibits, and intimate performances. Partners include the Knoxville Art Museum, the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra, the Knoxville Opera, Knoxville Garden Club, and the Beck Cultural Exchange Center. <coughs> Every crew in the making of this project is working very hard to continue to bring back this piece of Knoxville history to its, its former glory. As we all continue, we hope that one day it'll be what it once was before the she died, basically. Want to hear about Loyston? Sure. Okay, the first settlers moved to this area near the Clinch River in East Tennessee in the early 1800s. John Loy made his home there, and by 1866, the community had become known as Loy's Crossroad. The name was changed to Loyston in 1894. There were 70 residents in Loyston by 1935. The small mountain community featured several businesses, churches, and schools. However, the construction of Norris Dam would bring the town to an abrupt end. Uh, 
the Tennessee Valley Authority, TVA, exerted eminent domain to take over properties that the dam's resulting reservoir would submerge, facing the prospect of their hometown being buried under a 75-foot-deep reservoir residents had no option but to relocate. Nowadays, an inlet on Norse Lake known as Loyston Sea marks the site where Loyston found its watery grave under the reservoir upon the completion of the Norris Dam. The fuck? Where is the Norris Dam? Is it is it bad that I actually I don't like deep waters, but I would very much like to see these underwater towns. Me too. Norris Damn. I will wa- I will look at the ocean, but I will never go into the ocean. Because I do not like deep water. Deep water is scary. So Jacksonboro Interesting County. So where this used to, where this is right now, we're an hour and twenty five minutes from it right now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's right outside of Anderson County Park. Oh, okay. Well, that's fun. Um. <coughs> Oh, it's like right outside Knoxville. The heck? Yeah. There's a shooting range too. Oh. Museum of Appalachia. Wait a minute. Oh, I've been here. Okay, I know where this is. Well, there's... A museum of Appalachia, but it's not really like an inside museum. It's different houses. Different houses? Yeah. From like... <sighs> Me and Jordan went like two years ago. It's in Clinton. We can go. It's really cool. It's really okay. interesting. Um, if you know Moonshine, do you know Popcorn Sun? Do you not know Popcorn? No. Well, he was a famous moonshiner for a really long time before he died. And some of his um, moonshine making materials is there. Like, in an exhibit. And it's really cool. Because, obviously, moonshine is the past of Tennessee, a part of it. Yeah. So... Very big part of Tennessee's past. Yeah, and not a lot of people want to admit that. But, yeah. I mean, that's how most people got their money. Yep, back in the day. Sorry, my nose is running really bad. I'm just so exhausted. So there's a lot of yawning on this side. So we still got, but we still got one more episode to go to. That's okay. It's only 5.34. I know. This is the earliest we've ever recorded. (laughs) I know. It feels so weird. I'm so used to it being dark outside. And every time I look at the window, it's... It's like, 
there's 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 light outside yeah what the actual heck but i'm also excited for the next episode too so i have to (laughs) pull up your research i have to pull up my research i'm actually i'm on it right now smack bitch okay but so i guess this is the end of this episode are you gonna do the new? Oh yeah! Uh, thanks for talking creepy with us. Um, this episode was brought to you by Acast. Um, you can find our social medias. Thank you, Acast. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, you can find social media. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel to Tales from Two Travel Makers. You can send us an email at Tales from Two Troublemakers. Uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I've unknowingly been signed into our email. I have to. All week. <laughs> uh, you can send us your paranormal stories, places that you want us to do research on, and we'll do that in an episode. Um, even if it's outside of Tennessee. But we just wanted to do this episode for us because we live here. <laughs> but you can just send us a place anywhere and we'll do it. Um can't promise i want to go see it we'll do an episode about it yeah um i guess that's it all right until we do the facebook page i forgot about that yeah my life is hectic i'll probably start it up and then just give you the information or have you as a host or something (laughs) okay well we are signing off Get the fuck out of my ears,